0: welcome to me time the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say it's my turn to take care of me i'm kim aceto health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now enjoy the show Okay, so today I'm here with Rosie Mankus. Let me tell you about Rosie. Rosie is a life coach and author of Find Your Joy and Run With It, a heartwarming memoir about overcoming her second battle with cancer, the transitioning of her mother into an assisted living facility, and the unexpected loss of her brother, all within one year. Rosie's recovery from these major challenges inspired her to become a life coach in order to help people pull through paralyzing adversity. Rosie is a resident of New Jersey, where she lives with her husband, and she is the mother of two grown sons. Rosie, welcome to the Me Time Midlife podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Kim. So glad to be here.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for coming on, and I'm looking forward to you sharing more about your story. But before we begin, uh, why don't you tell me what you enjoy doing during your Me Time?
1: So I have this little thing I call Me Time must-dos, and it's otherwise known as non-negotiable, something that I stole from a friend. Her name is Kate. So my me time must do's are, I must move my body, exercise at least three times a week. Um, I start every morning with gratitude. I wear a a bracelet. It's called the blessings bracelet. It has four beads on it. And every day I acknowledge four blessings in my life. Um, I do daily meditation. And I also, uh, it's really important for me to do acts of kindness, because I find that when you are kind to people, it comes back to you tenfold. But also I do kindness for myself. I purposely make sure I incorporate something joyful that's just for me into my daily activities. So I'll it'll be something like I'll write in my journal. Today I found joy by doing and fill in the blank. It could be yoga, it could be sitting in the sun reading a book, it'd be taking a bubble bath, whatever it might be, but it's just me time.
0: That's great. I love it. Now, were you doing all of these things before your year of losses, or did this kind of occur after that?
1: so it really occurred after I wasn't doing any of this before that I wasn't even attuned to that as being something that people did um I was just always kind of like uh thinking about past things and worrying about future things and I I wasn't staying um in the present or um actually giving any sort of self-care I didn't really even know what self-care was until I went through this um very difficult journey and that's where the soul started to come and become integrated into my life.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So there was a a, definitely a blessing for you coming out of that year of losses. So let's talk about your year of losses. So I kind of shared in your bio um, a few of the things that happened, but can you kind of give me a little bit more details about that year? Yes.
1: Yes. So it was a very difficult year from September of 2015 to September of 2016. During that year, my family and I had to transition my mom into an assisted living facility due to the progression of her dementia. She was very fearful and resistant and it was a very, very difficult transition. Um, around the same time, um, actually almost uh, to the, within the first couple of ma- months of that, I um, found out that I had breast cancer and ultimately had a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And just when things were starting to settle down, my 58 year old brother died in a really horrific accident. And during that time, my losses were I lost my mom, not physically, but I lost her, you know, the ability to be with her and um, she was my confidant, she was like my best friend um, and I lost her mentally. I also lost my breasts, which are, you know, part of our feminine identity. And then I, I also lost my brother. And I was, as you might imagine, when so many things are heaped upon a person in a very short period of time, I started to live a life filled with despondency and despair. And, um, you know, I know we'll talk about it a little later, uh, but I wrote a book about how I went from this really, really dark place where I didn't even want to get out of bed and and how I work my way to healing and wholeness. And people that have read my book have said that they've learned so much about how they can implement some of the things that I did, and incorporate them into their lives by reading my book.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Let me ask you what, what kind of occupation if any, I don't want to assume you you worked, but um, what were you doing before you became a life coach? Before all this happened, and you wrote this book and became a life coach, what what did your life look like before all of this happened? So,
1: um, for you know, for the most part, it was it was a nice life. I you know I have um, a loving husband and two really good sons, and I spent about um, well actually it's about nine and a half years now working with nonprofits to help them and introduce them to corporations so that they could uh, talk and create partnerships and, you know, raise funds and awareness for the nonprofits that I represent. And I've been doing this for about nine and a half years. And it's been, you know, pretty rewarding and uh, successful in terms of the, t- the types of uh, meetings I've put together for the nonprofits for them to partner with corporations to do really good things.
0: Right, right. And what about you shared a little bit earlier about, you know, your me time. Oh, so like, tell me more about what your, um, lifestyle was like before you started living in the present. So
1: it, it basically, the, there was this a different kind of mindset. I was, you know, living and doing things, but I was also not really in the present focus of time because I, I was just so busy. You know, I had younger kids and I had a job and, and, It's only when I started to see what, like what was taken away from me during the the time of that really bad time of adversity that I realized that, wow, I needed to figure out a way to go and get to a place of wholeness and healing and, and to a place where I could be in the present moment because, you know, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not promised. Um, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I lost my brother and lost my mother, not, you know, physically, but mentally. And, you know, the present moment is the place to be.
0: Right, right. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I wanted you to share that too, because I want, you know, I always try to make a space for women listening who can relate to, to, you know, this time in your life, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and then just also being able to believe that you can get out of that and you can learn how to be in the present, you can learn how to develop mindfulness and, and joy and, and all of those different things. So, um, so how were you able to, to come back from those losses? Like you said, you couldn't even get up out of bed in the morning. How did you get from that place to, you know, being able to get to the point where you can write this book, you could write about it and then help other people, you know, also find their joy. As a life coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it took time, you know, I'm like, it's not an overnight thing. Of course I look at it as a fractured or, or broken, um, something that's fractured or broken and it takes time to heal. And the thing that I learned, especially that this is, I've experienced physical pain, of course, cause I've had major surgery, but it's emotional pain. And what I found that as I went down that path, it's not, it wouldn't be just one big thing because I was so big picture, Like I could just do this one big thing, I could fix it. I could do this other big thing, I could fix it. But it, it would be more like a series of small things brought together. So I mentioned before the blessings bracelet to you and you know how I practice gratitude. But when I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of this despondency and despair, I needed to figure out how to become happy because you know when you're in a bad place you're not happy so one day i just sat down with my journal and i decided to write five things that make me happy and i couldn't come up with anything because i wasn't and it was you know very disappointing so i said okay take a step back and write five things that used to make me happy and i wrote them down and they were very very basic you know bottom basic things but then i used affirmations And I would say them over and over each day until which point that I really believed that I could do them again and I can incorporate them into my life so that's one thing but another thing was I did a lot of self-examination and I took a look at things that I gave up during that awful year and one of the things I gave up was I stopped turning on the radio because I stopped believing in things that would make me happy so I couldn't fathom listening to a song connecting with the lyrics but music is so important to me and I, I you know I it was like, that was something that I should have kept in my life. So I worked toward integrating music back into my life, you know, simple music from maybe when I was a teenager to start, then just maybe fun music. And then I went for the gusto for the songs that really resonate and like lyrics speak directly to you. But then another thing, which was really big was that I had to dig deep and face my fears because one of the things after my surgery after my mastectomy i had this social anxiety it was that i felt that if i met up with people that i hadn't seen since before my surgery they may not upon greeting me they may not look in my eyes they may look down at my breasts first and i know that sounds crazy but it does happen not to everybody but it happened to me and that made me feel uncomfortable and different and changed but it wasn't only that it was also that When I met up with people after the surgery, instead of saying, how are you? They would say, I heard what happened. And then I had to share, you know, my story, a very personal story with people. So in order to get through that crippling social anxiety, where I didn't want to go to events, where I thought I would meet up with people, which usually would be a a great thing for me because I'm a pretty social person. So in order to get through that, that anxiety of not wanting to go, I would actually Sit home and rehearse my encounter with the people that I knew I would see, rehearse it in my mind, visualize their faces, and that helped me when I got to the actual event to push through and be able to feel comfortable with, with having to do that. So that was a big thing for me, you know building the confidence and courage for these encounters with others. Um, and then mm-hmm. And then the last thing I wanted to just share is that um, mindfulness we you know we staying in the present moment you know having a b- very busy brain always worrying about the past or you know worrying about maybe a future test or medical procedure or whatever that i might have to to be but being able to stay exactly where my feet are plant, planted at the at the moment and not miss the beautiful gift of now because as i said before you know the, the past is gone the future is not promised But, and I've had, as I said, I've had two cancers and I've had loss in my life, but the present moment is here and the beautiful gift of now is here and staying there is what helped me and was really pivotal to my healing.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, Yeah. So how did you figure all this stuff out? Did you have a coach or did you just kind of, I don't know, take that time of introspection and self-reflection to figure out how you were going to get out of this? So
1: it was a combination. It was a combination. I you know, I, I actually had a therapist um, and that was important to me because mm-hmm. at the point where I was back in November of 2016, and this is after everything happened, I was really kind of limping through life and I knew that I couldn't go it alone. So I do encourage people that are going through things that to seek help if you feel that you need it. But then it was also you know, based on my own training as a life coach's introspection and, and self-care and self-awareness mm-hmm. of the things that I, I needed and going back to the things, like examining the things that I gave up, trying to integrate them back into my life and examining how I could define happy and create happy and bring happy back into my life. And, and then also, as I said before, we, um, you know, the, looking at that, that social anxiety and saying, you know, Rosie, you can do this. You just have to figure out how to be able to encounter these people and, you know, feel like you can be prepared for it, prepared for scenarios that are uncomfortable for you now.
0: Right. Great. So you mentioned mindfulness and being in the present moment. I mean, you can't be in the present without being mindful. Um, So, you know, can you explain a little bit more about how you use mindfulness um, to stay in the present? Cause I think that's really the key. So how do you do that? So,
1: There's a couple of things like, so getting back, getting to, starting with like a grassroots kind of thing. So I love to walk. I walk for an hour. I walk alone. So it's me time. And cause there's no one else there just for me. And prior to staying present and in the moment, I was walking along, but I was very busy. I was very busy. I was doing things. I was, you know, checking my phone, maybe fielding a phone call or looking down to to, um, respond to a text or an email. And, you know, during that hour's time, I wasn't really present. But now since in, in this last several years, since I started practicing being mindful and being in the present moment, My phone goes in my back pocket because I want to keep it just in case, God forbid, something happens as an emergency. But what I do now is I look at the blue sky. Um, I look at the cloud formations. I look at how the sun pierces the clouds and sends down rays of light. And to me, in my own spiritual sense, I feel that that's our past loved one showing their presence to us. Um, and I listen, I listen, I use all my senses. I listen to the sounds of the, the trees swaying, the birds chirping, the smell of fresh cut grass. And every week, my husband and I either catch a sunset or a sunrise. And people call us the sunset chasers because when we have an opportunity <laughs> to wrap an, uh, an event around watching a sunset, we'll try to integrate it in. So those are kind of the um, that's an example of a grassroots kind of thing I do, but I also start I strive to be mindful and find joy in everyday life as much as I can.
0: Right, right. Wow. So when do you? Okay, I, I may have forgotten if you talked about this in the very first question I asked about me time, but when do you take your walk? Do you take it any time of the day when you have an hour? Uh, do you take it in the morning, in the evening? Uh, When do you have this time? So
1: it it varies, I guess, because, you know, we have different seasons Mm. here. So, um, you know, if it's the summertime, I try to do it earlier because when it's 90 degrees, it's not as pleasant, but, um, you know, it gets a little, the fall, it gets a little cooler. Maybe I'll go out at one o'clock. I'm an independent consultant. So my schedule is very flexible. So I can go different times of the day sometimes, uh, at night, if it's a beautiful night, we live near the Jersey shore. Um, we, my husband and I go and just walk the boardwalk and just enjoy the waves and the the smell of the sea air and, and, and that kind of stuff.
0: That's great. I love that. And I love that you do that with your husband, that time to connect where you both can be in the present moment. Thank you together. Right. And what about your sons? Do they live nearby or Are they? So they live
1: not too far away. Both of them are in New York City. So um, we're, we're empty nests now, which is, you know, it's had its bit bits of challenges early on when they first left, but now we've settled in and we're enjoying it. It's very nice now.
0: Right. Oh, great. I'm happy to hear that. So finally, I just want to ask you about, you know, I always like to leave listeners with, you know, um, something that they can begin to do to develop Whatever it is that I bring this guest on to kind of inspire or motivate, um, assist anyone listening who's going through any of these things, um, or can prepare it to go through any things. Or would you? Would it be safe to say you don't have to have any losses or anything traumatic to happen in your life before you decide to become mindful and be in the present?
1: I agree. <laughs> right? Totally. Totally.
0: Yeah, we don't need something terrible to happen. So this is something that we women can start today, right? Um, Incorporating mindfulness in our lives. So as a life coach, how do you, you know, what are some tips and strategies or, you know, anything you could share with the audience that they can begin to do, um, you know, today or soon? So
1: I would say as a life coach, I would say to start small, go out into nature, close your eyes and listen to the birds chirping and the crickets and smell the grass. And then open your eyes and look at the beauty, you know, go to a park and look at the beauty and and listen to your breath also. And open, open yourselves up to blessings because blessings and mindfulness are intertwined and it doesn't need to be big, especially if you're struggling. But even when you're going through hard times, you can still learn to have some joy in your life every day. And I'll give you an example of a, kind of like a personal thing. Um, so for myself, when I would go out, let's say with a family member, like my husband or cousin or a friend, and we'd be sp- sharing a special moment, let's say dinner. And we're, you know, we're together for let's say an hour, an hour and a half. I would be there, but my busy brain would bring me to things that you know, maybe I hadn't done earlier in the day that needed to be done. or maybe I hadn't done a good job with something or forecast forward to things I needed to do and I have trained myself to dismiss that busy brain and to stay totally attentive and immersed in that special occasion with that person because the truth of the matter is I could allow my busy brain to hijack that special moment with my loved one or I could choose and you know the operative is choose to stay there because in allowing my busy brain to go off I'm not in the present moment I'm not where my feet are grounded and then once I trained my, to myself to do that in special moments there was a really profound shift in my life because the realization was that it didn't have to just feed during special times it could be in my everyday life so now when I walk getting back to my walking if I happen to hear or see children playing I could turn my attention to the beautiful gift and sound of their laughter. I could also, like, if a friend of mine calls me and she's struggling, but I have like 10 things going on at the same time, I could stop what I'm doing, push my stuff aside and jump into her world or do those random acts of kindness. And, or even going to a concert, you know, I, in the past, I would go to a concert and I'd be, you know, I'm there, I'm in it, but I'm recording or I'm taking photos. And then you know, we have to post them because that's what we do, right? So I have to think of a caption for my posts and then put it on Facebook and then go back to the concert. And then a couple of minutes later, how many likes have we had? How many comments, you know, and should I respond? But now when I go to a concert, it's all about being in the moment, the performer's rocking it, and I'm totally committed and invested in that moment. Because the question I, I asked myself when I started to practice this mindfulness is, Am I more interested in recording this this experience or living it? And the answer is living it. So getting back to what we were talking about, the starting early and, and starting easy and slow with this, you know, the things that I did at the beginning were just drinking your favorite beverage in the morning and really savoring its great taste. And that's mindfulness and gratitude at the same time. Or sitting on the couch with your fur babies at night feeling the warmth of their body and listening to them and breathing this is a blessing it's mindfulness at the same time, or even just taking a walk, even if it's just around the block I, I couldn't do more than that when I had my surgery I had major surgery, and, you know, the last I'll say is. Uh, lighting. Couple of scented candles and turning the lights off and watching them glimmer. So they don't have to be big things. They just have to be things that you start right. with, and you start to build your mindfulness muscles. That's what I call them, mindfulness muscles. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. over time, I believe, as it as it happened for me, it would happen with other other people that they would find that joy, and it would build as you open yourself up to it throughout your day. Mm.
0: Those are really great examples. Thank you. Thanks for sharing so many different examples, bigger ones and smaller ones. Yeah, that was that was great. Thank you. Uh, So I guess finally, you know, just tell us a little bit about your book, find your joy and run with it. What can uh, readers expect to to read when they um, when they open your book?
1: It's funny because I I wrote this book on a dare, a a producer in Hollywood who I know. (laughs) Oh, did you? He's a producer. Uh He's actually a producer for a lifetime in um, Hallmark. And I know him through through my work. He said, your story is very compelling. Um, You should write a book. And I don't think he ever thought I would, but I did. And basically it's (laughs) about reclaiming yourself after a difficult journey. And learning to find joy in everyday life, because as I said, life throws life throws curveballs at us at all times, right? Like none of us are, could, you know, are exempt from the ability, the possibility of having curveballs thrown at us. But when you go down that path of adversity, um, and you're in that very deep and despondent place, there is a way to find your way back. And my struggles do not define me, as I believe that. struggles of others don't define them and that you can take your adversity and over time and it will take time find yourself again find me again and even a better version of yourself and I feel that that's what happened to me and it can happen to others too um as I said there has been the feedback which I was surprised as I said because I wrote it on a dare but the feedback from people that have read it is that they've said that they, it was very emotionally relatable and they use what I learned and what I implemented into their own lives as well.
0: That's great. Wow. To think you just did this on a dare and that you weren't, you know, maybe you didn't know what an impact this book was going to have on other people's lives. And, and to hear those, hear that feedback, I bet is, is, is wonderful. And, and also keeps you accountable to you know, keeping this up yourself. Right. (laughs) I know that as a health and wellness coach, I mean, even when I don't feel like it, I, um, I keep practicing what I preach because it's a part of my identity and brand and it's who I am and who others expect me to be and who I want to be. So, um, you know, continuing to be mindful and being in the present moment and, um, continue to build that skill it is a skill and it's like you said it's a mindfulness mu- muscle yes How building you say the it?
1: mindfulness muscles. yeah
0: mindfulness yeah yeah just like any physical muscles at first they're weak but then you know as you're consistent with it and as you start slowly but you you keep going and take it one day at a time you can you can get stronger and um yeah. So that's one, That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Rosie, for sharing all of that. And um, I'm going to put the uh, link to your book um, that people can purchase on Amazon. I'm going to put that in the show notes. You also have a website. You're on Facebook and on Instagram. So I'll put all of those links in the show notes. So again, Rosie, thank you so much for coming onto the Me Time Midlife podcast. Congratulations on overcoming um, so many losses in your life um, and with all within one year, which is just incredible. Um, And then writing this book and then, you know, changing your life. And then now this book is changing other people's lives. So um Wow. Wonderful. So thank you again, Thanks Rosie, for coming me and sharing all Thanks so much for, for, having, me. So much for
1: having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and it, it was great. Thanks so much, Kim.
0: If you find the Me Time Midlife Podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more me time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to me time midlife to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.